Welcome to the Teach for the Heart podcast, where we tackle teaching challenges from a biblical perspective. Why are we here? Because we don't believe that our spiritual walk and teaching profession should exist in two separate domains. Rather, the hope we have in Christ should change how we approach everything, not just at home, but at school as well. So join us as we explore both the spiritual and practical side of key teaching challenges, integrating them together so we can succeed at teaching, glorify God, and make a lasting difference in our students' hearts and lives. This podcast is brought to you by the Herzog Foundation. The views and opinions expressed in this program are my own and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the Herzog Foundation. Today, I'm here with a special bonus episode. This came from the Rise Up Summit, which just concluded last week. Um, We're so thankful for everyone, um, both our guests and then all of you that were able to participate in the event. If you do want to get recordings from the event, you can check it out at riseupchristianeducators.com. That's riseupchristianeducators.com. Today, though, what I wanted to do is take, oh man, there were so many amazing sessions, but I wanted to take one of them and bring them to you, bring it to you in particular, because this is something that so many of you have asked about, and that is anxiety. I know this is something that a lot of us deal with and a lot of our students deal with as well. Um, This is just something that is really, really common um, in our culture right now. And so I, Crystal's session is so helpful. She gives us insights on both the spiritual root of the issue as well as practical insights to help us kind of where the rubber meets the road. So I think you're really going to find this helpful, and I pray that you do. So without further ado, let's go ahead and listen to her interview here. Welcome back to the Rise Up Summit. We are so glad to have you here. And Crystal Kershaw is going to be with us talking about how we can overcome anxiety. And you can tell that she is a writer by the creative title that she came up with, with, which I love. We're going to examine its roots, its shoots, and how to make it leave. So Crystal, thank you so much for being with us here today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Linda. Um, that that famous grammar exercise, root shoots and leaves. Um, I believe it's about some kind of bear. Um, it it po- it its position or the point is that you need commas in that sentence to make sense. And it sort of hit me because you need pauses or commas in teaching also mm-hmm. to help your classroom run well and to help you make sense. So that's kind of where it came from. I love it. When I saw it, I was like, that's so fun. (laughs) And we're here today to talk about anxiety. I, we don't have to tell anybody this is a common issue and it can be so debilitating as teachers. A lot of, a lot of you, a lot of us experience it, whether it's just, you know, more minor from time to time or whether it's more constant. And then we also have students struggling with it. Um, and Crystal has so much experience um, helping people with this. Uh, we're going to be tackling this more from the angle of if you're the teacher and you're struggling with anxiety, but please do also keep in mind as we go through here that a lot of these strategies, uh, depending on where you teach, can also be used with your students. Um, so you can use them to help your students as well. So Crystal, before we dive in, um, can you tell everyone listening just a little bit about yourself and your experience and the work that you're doing now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I met Linda as a high school English teacher, and that was my experience for 10 years teaching literature and writing to juniors and seniors. And so I'm very familiar with anxiety in the classroom <laughs> and um, moved from that into getting my master's in 
uh, biblical counseling and working in administration and counseling at, um, at the school we were at for about five years. And then now I worked for Fieldstone Counseling, which is a biblical counseling center in Northeast Ohio. We serve counselees all over the country because we do remote counseling also. And I am so excited to talk to you about this, Crystal, because you do have such such experience that's so relevant, both from the teaching side and then the counseling side. And we're going to put all that together here. Uh, so we're going to talk, as we said, about the roots of anxiety, the shoots, and then how to make it leave. So let's tackle the roots first. Uh, what are some of the roots of anxiety or the things that cause us to feel anxious? It's an excellent question, Linda, because most of us, when we think about anxiety, we think just about the symptoms that appear, the things that present, our heart is beating fast, we're, we're moving toward a panic attack, our breathing is getting irregular, but we don't think of why we are anxious. And so much of biblical counseling is about finding heart issues. And there are heart issues for teachers that often will lead to anxiety. Um, so we're going to look at four different types of roots. They may or may not apply to um, some of your listeners, but I think they're fairly common. And I think that they often set the stage for anxiety in ways that we don't imagine. So that the sounds, first, I'm sorry. That sounds great. I can't wait to hear about them. Yeah. So the first one that really um, seems to be prevalent are unrealistic expectations. And I remember this was a source of great anxiety for me as a teacher because I assumed that some things were true that were not necessarily true. Um, it has to do with the level of love, I think, that you have for your discipline and your desire to to share it with students. But sometimes we can have very unrealistic expectations surrounding that. Um, for example, we can believe that every student who comes to our class really desires to learn. And that's not true. Um, we can also believe that we're able and we should be able to connect with every student that we walk with. And, and sometimes that's possible and sometimes it's not possible. Um, just because we are different personalities, we have different aims in the classroom. We have different goals. Um, another thing that I think often sort of led me into an anxious place is that I felt that I was responsible for making sure that content was, uh, was captured. I really felt that if they didn't get the, the themes and, and big picture, uh, lessons from literature or they didn't learn how to write in my high school classes that, that there were no other options for them, that this was going to be sort of, you know, the marker of their achievement. And that is, of course, not true. We all tend to grow and people and brain development tells us that students will continue to grow well into college or their careers um, that are not related to college. So, um, so that can be a route if we feel like We've got to get this content uh, communicated. And if they don't get it here, they're never going to get it. Um, the other thing that I think was very difficult uh, for me to accept and, and would often lead to anxiety when I was teaching 
was that I did love my content. I love English literature. I love talking about stories and, and picking out themes and applying those applications to life. And I love teaching someone how to communicate well. Um, and so I sort of felt that everybody else should love it too. And that would be a very false expectation on my part and lead to a lot of frustration and sometimes a lot of anxiety. So unrealistic expectations can be one of the roots. Another very common one for teachers, and I think for, for all of us, I, this is a very common root of anxiety and depression for, for many of the people that I walk with is comparison. And because schools are, are sort of terrariums of learning and there are certain teachers there, um, you know, there's a team of teachers and everyone is doing their own kind of thing in terms of teaching style. There is, uh, there is a lot of comparison that I think takes place among teachers. And when you compare yourself on any level, it's going to end up uh, a dead end street. I mean, frankly, you're either the haughty winner or you're the, the dejected loser. Neither one is what God has for us or wants for us, but comparison can definitely lead to some um, roots of anxiety. Another one that I struggled with was um, one that I will call brain bends. And brain bends are basically patterns of cycling, ruminating. And rumination, we all struggle with it, I think. Um, we, we find something that we cannot understand and we tend to just cycle on that again and again and again. Um, brain bends when it comes to unrealistic, um, roots of anxiety can, can be ruminating on failures, ruminating on hard relationships with students, um, ruminating on a loss of some sort, whether it's perceived or actual, it doesn't really matter if we are cycling on it. It can really cause us anxiety. Um, another thing that brain bends will do is cause us to just think negatively about what we broke, what we blew up, what we said wrong, what we did wrong. None of us as teachers or individuals is perfect. So there are going to be plenty of things we can ruminate on if we, if we take that, that bend. Um, the last root of anxiety that I think is really important is fear of man. And I think a biblical perspective of fear of man is, is kind of thin on the ground because fear of man is a biblical sin. And, and I, I've always known, I think I always knew it was a problem. I shouldn't worry about what other people think, but, but God's word is really clear about it. It is a sin and it's a sin that's going to deeply affect the way we feel about our calling and our purpose and the gifts that God has given us. And so when we worry too much about what students think of us or what parents perceive of us or how other members of our, our teaching team or admin team, how they feel about us, when we start to ruminate or think about that, um, it will really affect our sense of value and it will lead to a lot of anxiety. Also, another related aspect of fear of man is being afraid to speak truth in the classroom. And this is, this is of course, problematic because students need 
truth in love in order to learn and grow. But if you're afraid, um, you will be you will be apt to to miss that opportunity. So all of these things can cause anxiety. That's really helpful to hear and think through just some of these things. And I resonated with so many of them as you were saying. I was like, yes, that is that does normally happen before before I'm feeling anxious. Or you can totally see how that feeds into that. And I know we're going to be talking later about like how to you know make anxiety leave. But do you have any um any advice or thoughts around us? Just I do feel like just by recognizing that it does help us recognize, man, I am ruminating. I should, I need to stop, you know? So just being aware is helpful, but do you have any, any tips or recommendations on just kind of this, this, this starting it, stopping it before it starts? Absolutely. Um, we'll talk a little bit about in the moment anxiety helps, but I think when it comes to these, these roots of anxiety, we have to be very prayerful as we walk through our teaching career every day. Um, you know, before we teach, we should really be asking the Lord to keep our perspective correct. Um, to keep, to keep whatever the classroom is, wherever it is, to keep the focus on doing our best with the gifts he's given us to his honor and his glory. And, and if we can really drill that into ourselves, that helps eliminate some of these roots. It helps eliminate fear of man. And Bible's clear. You cannot serve man and God. You, you know, fear of man is a, is a form of idolatry, really. So some, sometimes also this involves saying, okay, I've struggled with this, quantifying what it is, confessing it. And then repenting by asking the Lord to help you walk in a different way and not struggle that way. Um, comparison, same thing. It's a confession and repentance and moving away. Um, and that means that, that more we're tempted to do it, we have to stop and, and internally, um, pray it through. And then we have to remind ourselves, no, no, that's not what God wants from me. That's, that's not going to help me. That's going to hurt. Um, so it, it involves a lot of intentionality. And I believe being an effective teacher involves a very active prayer life. Yes. Yes. So prayer, being on the lookout for these, seeing them as red flags, recognizing them in ourselves. And then I love what you said, con confessing them, taking them to God, working through them with him. Mm -hmm. That's, that's wonderful. And for those of you that are listening, um, Crystal's provided us a little handout. So if you want to be able to, that you can print off and save, uh, so that you can kind of keep these front of mind and be able to look back on them, um, whenever that's helpful. Mm -hmm. So we've considered some of the roots and I'm, I feel like lots more to, to think about that. You've given us so much to think about. These are things that cause us to feel anxiety. Let's mm -hmm. think next about the shoots. Um, what results do we see in our lives when we are harboring these roots of anxiety and don't pull them out? It's an excellent question. And I think, again, operatively, we have to think about how the metaphor works. The roots are what plants these things. Mm -hmm in our lives and the shoots are how they grow, right? How do they manifest? How do they grow? And generally um, roots of deceit, roots of anxiety are going to grow into lies that cause mm -hmm. us pain. And so 
So on the handout that, that I included, I've just listed some of the lies that come from these roots. Um, now, they don't exclusively come from these roots. They come from all sorts of places. And they're very common lies that we struggle with because lies that are implanted in our life are going to grow unless we weed them out, unless we, unless we, you know, give them over, unless we surrender them, they are going to grow. They're going to color our experience. They're going to color our relationships and they're going to color our confidence in the classroom. There's no doubt about it. So some of the roots, um, will lead some anxious roots will lead to shoots that are, are very common. Like, um, God doesn't love me you know, that's a lie or everything's up to me. It's all that lie of self-sufficiency. Um, many times when things do not go our way, we think, okay, well, God is not good or he's not good to me right now. And we lose sight of the big picture that he is good all the time when we understand it and when we don't. Um, another, another shoot that I see often is sort of the no one likes me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll go eat worms. That's what I say to myself when this one pops up. I think when you're having a bad day or when you've had two or three, you know, adverse experiences, it's easy to start generalizing. And that's one that often, often um, comes up. I think for teachers, sometimes I, I remember struggling with this idea, like, I'm just not smart enough to meet my students' needs. I'm not, I'm not capable enough. I don't know enough or, you know, I missed something. Maybe I was asleep for, um, for some, some integral part of this teaching training that I should have. And, um, and that's often not the case, but, um, that is a lie. Of course, all these lies generally come from our enemy, right? Who, who has a motive and it's very clear steal, kill, and destroy. So you can see how all of them will contribute to doing that. Another lie has to do with our ability to function in the place where God is planted. So that lie sounds like I can't handle things or I don't have a purpose here. There's no purpose here. Um, another one that often is linked to comparison can be, I just don't fit in. Um, or I can't grow and change. I can't, I wouldn't be able to, you know, sort of the, the Popeye, I am what I am. And, and that's what you have. Um, that's just not true. Um, other lies will impact our emotions in, in, in deeper ways. One of those is sort of the lie of victimization. No, no one really understands how hard it is for me. No one understands my pain. No one can get me. Um, and so I, I'm operating in a different paradigm than everyone else. Um, I'm not good enough is another one of those lies. I'm not good enough for the position I've been given. I'm not good enough to connect with these students. I'm not good enough to make wise choices. Um, you can see how these just cut. 
I deserve better or it's not my fault. These are sort of uh, rationalization lies that, that we like to tell, right? Uh, I shouldn't be in this place. I shouldn't have to put up with this. I don't know. I don't know why I'm here. Um, or it's not my fault. If, if everything goes awry, I'm, I'm not to blame, right? It's, it's easy to blame everything on students. Um, but of course, the classroom is a two-way street. So, um, so, so both of us have to own that. I screwed up too bad. That's a lie. That's a lie that um, I think is, I think is very common because I think sometimes we feel like, oh no, this happened in the classroom. I can never recover from that, which of course is not true. Through humility, through transparency, through speaking truth and love, and just being a human in front of your students, you can recover almost anything. But um, but you have to be willing to do that kind of work. Um, another lie, and one that I think is wildly prevalent among our our students these days, is that my feelings matter the most. How I feel about things is really the most important thing. Um, and of course, as believers, we know that feelings are part of our reflection of God's image, part of our image bearing, but um, they are always to be tempered in wisdom. Wisdom is the chief thing. So um, that is a lie. Another one lines up with that. I can't control my emotions. There's nothing I can do. This is who I am, right? I'm angry. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm emotional. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sassy. I'm sarcastic. Um, you know, we are given the opportunity to control because we are given the power of the Holy Spirit as believers. So he, he can do what we in our flesh cannot do. Um, I shouldn't have to suffer. That's kind of a, another victim related lie. You know, it shouldn't be this hard. I shouldn't have to suffer. I shouldn't have to do this. Um, big lie that most of us have heard in our world and we have to fight ourselves because of our flesh is that it's all about me. Mm -hmm. Um, it's all about how I feel, how it's going for me, how, how, you know, how things are rolling out in terms of my perspective, um, what the grades are, are looking like in terms of what I want to see. So that's a very potent lie. And then, then I think one of the worst that, that teachers can communicate. And, and I don't mean they say it out loud. Um, but it, it's a, it's a lie that can come through teaching. And it's a lie that is very toxic for students is this lie that, that God has no plan here right? That he's not in this somehow, that somehow in, in room 322, um, fourth period, he's just, he's just not around, right? So um, that lie is very, very detrimental to students who are really trying to figure out that they themselves have a plan, right? And if they don't understand it, that's okay, because God does. So, so that lie that we can hold, that shoot of a, of a root of anxiety can be very, very um, toxic, painful, detrimental. 
We're taking a quick break to share a bit about our partner, the Herzog Foundation. The Herzog Foundation supports Christian schools in a variety of ways, but one way I highly recommend is their leadership trainings. They offer free in-person trainings to school leaders on a variety of important topics like donor development, marketing and enrollment, strategic planning, culture building, and more. Not only are the trainings free, but lodging and meals are also covered by the Herzog Foundation. So that means your school's only cost is airfare to get to the event. My friend Nancy is a school leader at the the school my kids attend, and she participated in one of these events last spring and told me it was absolutely amazing. So if you're at a Christian school, I highly recommend checking these out and recommending them to your school admins. You can find info by going to HerzogFoundation.com and clicking the events tag at the top of the page. That's HerzogFoundation.com and click the events tab. Now back to our conversation. Thank you for sharing this list of lies. And once again, I encourage you guys to to download this and print it out or save it because I feel like just looking through that, it's easy to say, oh yeah, I, I, because we don't always say it exactly like this, but you're like, yeah, I've kind of been functionally believing that lie. I, I haven't been believing the corresponding truth about it. And so going through that is really helpful. Do you have any advice on this almost like in the wild or like on a day, obviously when we're sitting down here and we're looking, we're like, oh yeah, I see it. But it can be so easy in the day to day to not realize that. Oh, any, any, any advice on like how we can catch when we're um, believing one of these lies and, and root it out. Yeah, that's an excellent question. On the handout, I listed some corresponding states that we can sometimes find ourselves in. And I think sometimes it's wise to to start there, right? So if we continue our analogy, there will be roots and shoots. And in a way, there are flowers, right? There are flowers that come off of those shoots. And so some of the flowers can lead us to the lies, the shoots that have, have birthed them. So for example, in the list that I was just, um, kind of quickly going through, um, bitterness. If you, if you're feeling bitter or cynical or sarcastic all the time, well, that's a flower of a lie. And so you can stop and say, now, wait a minute. Where is this coming from? Right. Um, we know, we know very, uh, very common. Flowers are anxiety itself, uh, panic attacks, or a constant alert feeling like you're always on. Um, but, but depression is another flower that can come from that. Um, laziness or low ambition, um, a feeling like it, it doesn't even matter, right? It doesn't, you know, just sort of apathy. That can be a flower that comes from one of these shoots. Um, that are destructive. Um, emotional dysregulation ourselves, self-pity, um, forming sort of little um, gossipy cliques with other teachers or, um, you know, um, um, forming false uh, ideas of ourselves that we then kind of promote. These things are not what God has for us and they're not team oriented and they don't help, but, um, but they are often flowers of destructive shoots that have come from anxious roots. Um, 
you know, and some of them are very, very destructive because, for example, if, if we, if we somehow feel like we've screwed up too bad in a classroom or we've made too many, many mistakes or, you know, this is too far gone. Well, honestly, that can lead us to disbelieve the truth of the gospel, which is that there is redemption for sin, right? Um, that, that Jesus' blood is powerful enough to, to cover our sin. And the power of his resurrection is the power for change. So if we deny that in any way, we're, we're also denying that in front of our students, right? So some of them have very, I think, um, toxic and very powerfully destructive flowers. And sometimes when we see these ha- things happening in our lives, I think we need to stop and say, wait a minute, where, where is this coming from? Yeah. Yes. I I love what you just said. When we see, when we, when we see this and we, sometimes we're not aware, but I feel like normally, I guess it depends on the person, but you are kind of aware. Like I've been feeling really anxious. I'm feeling depressed or I'm struggling with this. Like you said, tracing it back. What's causing this? Maybe pull out the handout. (laughs) Are any of these ringing a bell to me right now? Yes, that is what I've been thinking. And that's Mm -hmm. really, that's really great. So we've thought about roots things that cause it, shoots, some of these results and these lies that can emerge. Let's talk a little bit now about how to make it leave. I know you have quite a few strategies um, that you are wanting to share. So we can't wait to hear about these. Yeah. So these strategies are are actually designed for in the classroom, in the moment kind of helps, right? Or in your day, very practical applications. They They can be used at any point in the process, right? So they're they're effective in, in, in helping uncover roots and deal with them and deal with shoots. Um, the first one is a very interesting prayer that first century Christians prayed. It's called the Jesus prayer and it's a breath regulating prayer. You can use the Jesus prayer as a breath prayer. And we'll talk a little bit more about breath prayers in a minute, but basically what you do with the Jesus prayer is you combine the prayer itself and it's completely biblical. You combine it with a breathing exercise. Um, The Jesus prayer is a centering prayer. It is what first century Christians use to remind themselves of the presence of Christ. And this is before they had um, God's word to really refer to. So they would often um, say the Jesus prayer to themselves. You can say it Obviously, you can say it in the in the dialogue of your mind. You can speak it at any time, but it's very simply this. Um, and so, follow me as I as I sort of um, talk about the counts. So, the Jesus prayer is, Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And what you're going to do in the breathing that will accompany the Jesus prayer is you're going to breathe into about a second count. So that's that first line. Lord Jesus, Son of God. And then you're going to hold to about a six count. And that that is when you're saying, have mercy on me. And then you're going to release and breathe out much longer than you you have breathed in. So you're going to breathe out to like an eight or a nine count. And that's when you're saying a sinner. Now that's an abnormal breathing style to breathe in hold, and then breathe out longer than you breathe in. So if you repeat that, um, and and again, saying that powerful theological 
theologically rich prayer, um, you, not only will you remind yourself of the presence of God and the fact that he can have mercy on you in that moment, but you'll also start to calm your heart rhythms because that kind of a breathe, breathing pattern really slows your system down. So very, very simple. Lord Jesus, Son of God, again, about a seven count. Hold that breath. Have mercy on me, about a six count. And then long out, eight or nine count, a sinner. Okay. And just keep saying that in a round. Now, that is what we would call a breath prayer also, um, because not only does it combine truth, but it also combines breathing. And so you can actually make your own breath prayers using scripture. And I love doing this. I love doing it with counselees. I, I love doing it myself because I can address the exact issue that I'm struggling with in, in a way that turns me toward my savior. So simply this is how you, it's very simple to write a breath prayer. What you do is you take an attribute of God that is very powerful to you. If you need a list of names and attributes of God, there's a wonderful one online. Um, Henry Blackaby has put together a beautiful one in that experiencing God study. And I often use that. So there's all kinds of attributes of God that you can refer to there. Um, for example, when I'm feeling very anxious, the attribute of God that is most is the, the biggest blessing to me is that he's a refuge. So I could start my breath prayer with that line. And again, I'm going to follow the similar pattern of breathing that we discussed with the Jesus prayer. So I'll start Oh God, who is my refuge? So that's a seven count. Oh God, who is my refuge? Hold for the six. And then I'm going to, I'm going to finish the prayer. I'm, the breathe out part is going to be what I'm asking God to do as a refuge for me now. So, um, so typically a breath prayer like this would be, Oh God, who is my refuge? Hold protect me, lead me, and keep me safe. That's it. That's the long breathe out. You can write breath prayers on all kinds of topics. They're just simple ways of controlling um, your respiration. And what's interesting is when you start writing your own breath prayers, they're going to remind you of something and they're going to remind you of the Psalms because that's what mm -hmm. David is doing. He's, he's appealing to God's character and then he's asking for specific ways, um, for God to help him. Um, another one that I like to use and I use it with students and I also use it myself is um, a snap prayer. So basically snap bands, I just use ponytail holders, um, just, just black ponytail holders. You can put them on your wrist and they are prayer reminders. So you can wear a black ponytail holder on your wrist. And when you're in a moment and you're starting to amp up, you simply snap it once that reminds you to turn to turn to Jesus himself. Um, that's where you need to go. Um, the second snap reminds you to pray through, pray through what you're struggling with, pray through what's in front of you, pray through the attitude that your student has right now, whatever it is. Um, and then the third one is go do the next thing. That's really wildly helpful to me. Um, I think I have a tendency to think I have to do the next most important thing or the next big thing. 
or whatever, and that will just feed my anxiety. But if I tell myself, no, just go do the next thing, then then doing something will lead to the next thing and it will lead to the most important thing. But just moving helps in anxiety. Also, moving does help in anxiety. So if you can walk around the classroom, um, if you can, you know, most of us do anyway when we're, we're lecturing or when we're discussing move, but movement will always help with anxiety. Another one is to take advantage of altar stones. Now, depending on what school you're in, um, you can refer to them as what they are biblically, and they are reminders of God's presence. Where They're taken directly from um, Joshua when he crossed the Jordan and God told him to gather uh, 12 stones, one for each tribe of Israel, and build an altar there because God said, you'll forget my faithfulness. And of course, we all do. We forget God's faithfulness, especially when we are anxious. So what you can do is actually build a little pile of altar stones in your classroom. Um, and basically, you just grab a stone, you get a Sharpie, you just write something that reminds you of a place where God has been faithful to you are good to you. Um, you can have your students do the same thing. You can have a pile in the back. Um, even in a public school, you can have a reminder of goodness and God's faithfulness that, that triggers you to remember when you are anxious, right? Seeing that pile of stones or picking up one of those stones when you're really feeling wound up might very well help you work through. Um, prayer reminders of all kinds are important. Some people wear cross necklaces and, and touch them to be reminded. Um, some people carry something in their pocket. I was recently at the Cleveland Museum of Art and they had a beautiful display of a little carved walnut. And, um, and I, I was very curious about what this was. Well, it was, it was called a prayer nut and it was just a, a little carved nut that people kept in their, in their pocket. It, and it was circa 1600s. So, um, so we're not new to, to this needing reminders to pray through. Um, and, and so anything like that, that can be helpful that you can feel can help remind you to stop and pray through. Um, stop, center, listen, love. That's a phrase that is wildly useful. If, especially if you start becoming anxious in a moment with a student or with a parent in a conversation, having those words on your desk somewhere very prominent can help. And, and what you're doing, of course, is calming down. So when you stop, um, that means you're just giving yourself some time to process. When you center, you remind yourself, I am here in God's plan and God's economy with the gifts he's given me. When you listen, you're trying to listen for his voice right then and there. What, what is he saying? What, what can I, what can I gather from the Holy Spirit's work? Right. And always, always what he's going to say is going to involve loving. Um, and sometimes in those heated conversations, um, it is really important to stop and center and listen. And love is the way we're going to build. There's no other way to build, right? People grow through encouragement. They don't generally grow through criticism. So, so it's important to remind yourself of that. Um, visual ritual reminders. I'm sure many teachers have these. I used to have a sign that said faith on my desk. So when I was lecturing, 
Um, and when I was starting to feel like no one was listening, I would just look at that sign and say, okay, I'm just doing what I'm doing in faith, Lord. That's all I can do. Um, posters, uh, symbols, all kinds of things can be helpful for us just to remember who we are and why we're here. We're here as a bigger purpose and a plan. God's hands in that. So those are just some things you can use right there in the classroom. Oh, thank you so much for sharing those. And um, if I'm understanding right, it it may be probably not going to try to implement all of these at once, but maybe right. picking out a couple that really resonated with you and start start using them when that comes up. I love I love that. So many so many good ideas there. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, well, this has been really helpful. I know you've given me a lot to think about. And I know um, to so many teachers, do you have kind of any just final word of advice or encouragement uh, for those that you know struggle f- with anxiety and are seeking to address it? Yeah, I would say I think teaching is a high calling. We know that biblically. Um, and I think also it's a very big picture calling. And you never know what impact you have on someone's heart. Um, and and we measure our impact by by other other standards, other metrics, right? We're looking at where are the grades falling or how do they do on this test or what do those essays look like? But I think the biggest impact of teaching really lies in the ability to encourage and the ability to help your students see that that the world is much more than than what's going on right here, right? And they have a big picture God who who is going to walk with them. So so I would just encourage. I think I think when I look back on teaching, I spent way too much time in the weeds. Um, sometimes I mean you have to you have to have grades, you have to grade essays. I'm not not saying that you shouldn't do those things, but I think that sometimes I measured value by those things, and value. Um, eternally was much different, right? So keep in mind the eternal value of what you're doing and, um, and, and know that God is, God has put you there for a reason. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's so, that's so good and so helpful. Um, would you mind praying for us and for those that are listening before we wrap up? Absolutely. My joy. Um, Lord, we come before your throne and we thank you for, the, the high calling of teaching, Lord, we thank you that you have given us the opportunity in those places to really impact lives with your love and your truth and your word in all kinds of ways, directly and indirectly. Lord, I pray for each and every one of the teachers who will um, see this session. I pray, Lord, that your hand would be on them as they prepare and walk through the year ahead. I pray that they would be able to identify the roots and shoots of anxiety and to surrender them to you. I pray, Lord, that they would be able to turn toward you in all sorts of ways in the classroom. And I pray, Lord, that they would be able to be Christ there and that, that your, your name and your word and, and your honor, your glory would be magnified through all that they do this year. Lord, give them a strong sense of how present you are and how powerful you are and that you are for them and with them in this place. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Crystal, I, I so appreciate this so much. Um, can you uh, share with people where they can connect with you or with Fieldstone? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, FieldstoneCounseling.org is our website. We have intake forms there. Um, we have many counselors, over 35 counselors now at Fieldstone who work in different locations, but also many of them work remotely. So we're able to serve people all around the country and in many foreign countries. So if you're interested in Fieldstone, just go to fieldstonecounseling.org. You'll see our bios there, intake forms, also scholarship forms, Fieldstone's a ministry. So no one who needs counseling is turned away. Yeah, and we love Fieldstone and, and highly recommend them to if you or someone you know is uh, looking for help with counseling, uh, it's, a, it's a great place to go. Very solid. So thank you, Crystal, so much. And thank you guys for listening. Um, it's our pleasure and we can't wait to see you in the next session. Thank you. Thanks, Linda. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with Crystal Kershaw as much as I did. And I want to mention that um, in the interview, we might have mentioned any links or resources that we mentioned. We're going to put them on our website at teachfortheheart.com slash happy. That's teachfortheheart.com slash happy. So if you want any of the resources or links we mentioned, simply go there. Uh, Once again, too, if you'd like to check out all of the sessions that were at the summit, you can head to riseupchristianeducators.com and grab the all-access pass to keep all of those recordings. Once again, this podcast is brought to you by the Herzog Foundation. I can't wait for a brand new podcast series coming to you guys soon where we're going to actually answer some of your top teacher questions on a variety of topics. We're going to take some of the most common questions that we get, some of the best questions and trickiest questions that we get and talk about them on this next series. So I can't wait to see you there. In the meantime, teacher, remember, God is at work in you and through you and he's using you to make a difference. Keep your eyes on him and teach for the heart.